Welcome to the Practice Squad Podcast, episode 12. I'm John. I'm joined by my co-host, Mark. And uh, this was, I think, the most upset so far. I know week two is pretty big, but a lot of favorites lost this week, and it does reflect in our predictions records. I guess we were getting too cocky, and we need to get humbled down a little bit. Um, I went six and eight for this week. Uh, Mark went, what, eight and six? So, you know... Uh, I guess we're kissing goodbye our like, you know, 12 correct guesses per week from the past few weeks here. And, and you know, we got to get back to the drawing board a little bit. How you doing, Mark? Good. Good, John. I mean, it is what it is. It could be worse. I mean, we could be fans of like the NBA. I mean, before coming on this, I was watching like the NBA starting tonight uh, for those that like both football and basketball. But holy cow, that league is garbage, man. I mean, it's just gone to shit, the NBA. So Thank God that we're not diehard NBA fans and that this isn't an NBA podcast. Um, it, it shows in their viewership too, from what I remember, right? Like, hasn't well, their ratings gone down? Like, yeah, I mean, you have like, like that? I mean, you have superstar players that have basically become more powerful than any coach, than any owner, than anything like that. And then you just have, and I hope to God the NFL never has this problem. And I think because the teams are so big, it, it I, won't. I don't think they ever will. Yeah. But um, I mean, when you give the players full control of everything and this is what happens, I mean, you have guys that miss seasons, you know, that take games off because whatever, they need a night off. Like, I mean, if this is your job, I mean, people save up money and buy a ticket to go watch LeBron James play and he doesn't play because he has a sore toe. Like, it's just unbelievable. And, and the league, you're right, the views, the viewership of it, reflect what's happening in the league and really no one watches it or gives a shit until playoffs anyway um it's watered down it's not as competitive not as aggressive as it used to be and it's showing so back to football (laughs) yeah and i mean i will say though this is a fun time of the year just because like there are sports on every day and it's like if if you if you want to watch baseball nba hockey football like there is something to watch in october every single day and I, I am grateful to, for that, regardless of the fact that, yeah, I, I don't really care much for the NBA. Um, I haven't paid attention to baseball. I do loosely pay attention to hockey. Um, but yeah, no, f- football is just, it's in a league of its own. And, you know, I've stressed this so many times that the NFL has truly perfected its product that we are tuning in for just about every game that we can watch. Most football fans are just as crazy as we are, too. Like, it just truly is an incredible sport that's always engaging, always feels like there's an underdog trying to make it. The parody in the league is insane. The talent in the league is ridiculous. And no one player can really put, you know, an entire organization on his back in the way that you kind of can see with, with hockey and NBA, especially, and even baseball in some regards. So, um, and I guess that's the benefit of, you know, essentially having 22 starters, not including special teams, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, it's it's... Every single player has a role, you know, in, in, in the in football. And that's the best thing about that sport is it, it's like, I mean, you hear it all the time. It's the ultimate team sport, but like it really is. And it's at all levels. Like, you know, you have one really good player in basketball and you can win, you know, but if you can't just win with one really good player in football, you need a core group of guys. And then you need role players. You need linemen. You need big guys. You need athletic guys on the outside. You need a smart quarterback who can make plays like, there's a lot of things you need to compete in the NFL. So. Yeah, and, and even if you do have like an absolutely dominant shutdown player, they're only on the field 50% of the time. Right. You know, it's like, I mean, I, I can't, there's a few phenomenal examples of this with, you know, 
Denver having an absolute shutdown defense, top five in the league in just about every metric you can measure, and they can't score points. And conversely, you know, the Lions have had one of the most productive offenses in the league, and their defense literally can't stop the other team from scoring points to save their life. So, um, yeah, it's a beautiful sport. Um, that's probably why we spend way too much time watching it and getting heated about stuff and paying attention to all the headlines, but the NFL is perfected in keeping us engaged with all of that. So with that fun intro and uh, showing our fandom, let's hop into the uh, game recaps from week six. Um, so we had, first we had commanders versus bears, which somehow was even harder to watch than uh, Denver versus Indy the previous week. If I'm Jeff Bezos, I'm kind of upset right now. Personally, like I would think that, you know, he's like, man, am I going to make a return on my investment here? He will. It'll be fine. But uh, <laughs> I think It'll most fine, NFL but... fans are pretty displeased with uh, with the way the quality of football we have been subjected to. For well, even I mean, even the, uh, you know, broadcast team is like, what are we even what do we talk about here? Like, what do we do? I mean, they're running out of things like Kirk Herbstreit's run out of things to, you know, side notes and things to say. The Bears, listen, I we know we said it a few podcast episodes ago. They might not win another game. Um, Justin Fields, I, I Justin Fields is getting a lot of hate and a lot of, you know, credit for the the struggles. Um, but he, in my mind, is, it has shown some things that he's going to be able to do as he continues to grow and progress as a player. I, I think he's actually going to be a pretty good NFL quarterback for a long time. Um, he's on a bad team and he's not getting a lot of help, but he's putting the ball in some impressive spots. He's using his legs. He's a better runner than I thought he was seeing what he's able to do in open field. And then, I mean, Carson Wentz is still as bad as this was lucky. I mean, it was a muffed punt that really is the only reason they were able to uh, win this game. I mean, otherwise, I don't know if either team was going to score. Um, but yeah, I mean, two bad teams. Washington got out of there with a win. Again, they're a team that's going to struggle to find another win, and the Bears are going to struggle to find another win. So we were watching that. We knew going into it what it was going to be. And, you know, if it walks like a duck and, and, and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. And, you know, I, I do have to agree with you. Like, I mean, I'm not fully sold on fields being like a long time NFL quarterback, but what I will say is that I have to give him the benefit of the doubt because his offensive line cannot block for him and gives him zero time in the pocket. And that's hard enough if you're an experienced quarterback to work with, but you know, the dudes in year two, I mean, we saw, you know, the difference that an offensive line made to Joe Burrow his first year. Right. I mean, yeah. he, he had a, a very unproductive, three or four games or whatever he had. And then he tore his ACL. So um, it, it's just, you cannot be a productive quarterback in the NFL. If you cannot have time in the pocket and protection, and that's, that's as simple as that. So uh, I won't torture our, our uh, viewers with any more recap about that snooze fest of the game. Um, but commanders do come away with a win. Moving on to 49ers Falcons. I personally was unable to watch this one. Um, but obviously very surprised at the scoreboard. Um, Mark, I don't know if you were able to catch this one and what's your diagnosis if you were. Um, I didn't see a lot of it. I saw highlights and, and clips of it. Really, I think it's just kind of, you know, one of those trap game type situations where San Francisco went into this game probably feeling pretty good about the last couple wins that they had. Atlanta is a team that's going to scratch and claw and fight no matter what. Um, they're used to being these tight ball games and, 
honestly, they just kind of made enough plays to keep the lead that they had. And San Francisco just struggled to do what they wanted to do offensively. And honestly, what this shows is the 49ers, like as good as they are in terms of running the ball, play action, playing good team defense and complimentary football, if they're not able to kind of get an early lead in a game, similar to like the Ravens, which I know you're going to get into when we get down to that game, if they're not able to get an early lead and do what they exactly what their game plan was, they're going to struggle. Like when they're trying to play from behind and when teams do things that they didn't expect to happen, they're not the best from behind football team. And Jimmy G struggles to kind of bring those guys back. And Atlanta got up and just did enough to kind of manage and limit what they wanted to do. And as that time continued to tick, I mean, San Francisco ran out of options, ran out of, you know, things that they could do. So I, that's kind of what happened from what I saw. And that concerns me about the 49ers because in the playoffs, you never know what's going to happen in a game and you can't go down and just be done, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, I got to give credit to Atlanta. I did not have high expectations for them this season. Um, and on top of that, uh, you know, if if it wasn't for essentially one play, they would be number one in, in their division right now. So that's, that's impressive. And I think their ability to kind of give it to every team that they go against is... Uh, is pretty awesome. Um, moving on to Patriots Browns, which I did catch. I mean, I was not expecting this dominant of a performance, and I really have to give just a ton of credit to Bill Belichick because you know their roster is you know not great, and it's looking pretty depleted in the first place. People making fun of Bill about you know his draft pick for Cole Strange, you know playing their third man as at quarterback, and they just had a dominant game. Uh, you know doing kind of standard Patriot football of just crushing it defensively uh, absolutely, you know, swarming their opponent and then obviously having like a really good offensive showing too. Right. So um, super impressed. I mean, it, Bailey Zappi might be the starter going forward and that's, that's crazy. So is it Zappi time in new England? I think so. I think it might be, Zapp- it might be, it might be Zappi hour in new England. <laughs> like I, I don't know. I kind of had a good feeling about him being a, a good prospect coming out of Western Kentucky. I, he shattered records at Western Kentucky, shattered, I mean, Division One football passing records, like some unbelievable numbers that he put up. And you don't do that by accident. And um, obviously he had the talent to do it. You put a guy like that in the right system who, you know, with a team that plays complimentary football around him, and it's the perfect situation for a quarterback coming into a new situation, just like they did with Tom Brady way back when. I mean, they put him into a good situation. Tom Brady wasn't anything great yet. He just was in a perfect situation, and he grew into what he is now. Um, Bailey Zappi does things better than Mac Jones. I I think it's fair to say that he deserves the chance to continue to start um, because he's looked better than Mac Jones. And Mac Jones – has looked good at times, but he has never looked great. He's just game managed enough for them to win. Bailey Zappi is game managing and doing a little bit more than I've seen Mac Jones do so far in the league. I understand it's a short stint, but it might be Zappi hour um, for a while in New England. And it's so interesting because so many people are drawing those parallels to, you know, Brady, low expectations, replacing the first round draft pick and, you know, the rest is history. And obviously significantly too early to, to say that history is repeating itself or anything of the sort here, but it is crazy. And it's also hilarious that uh, Mac and Bailey do look shockingly alike. <laughs> Dude, and I think it's funny that it's like, Mac all right, it's like, just a fatter, you know, DUI written version of Zappy. 
That's all Mac is. What <laughs> D is there something I don't know about Mac, Mac Jones, Jones off the DUI. field? Yeah. He does. He does. I I did not know that. And that's he likes surprising. to have a couple couple pops and drive. Yeah, a couple couple brewskis. That's yeah. We we do not condone that here on the practice no, squad podcast. So. And, and that's that's surprising from a guy of like his general stature in the the Belichick well organization, i mean you've seen his so. beer gut right i mean you know the guy can pound beers <laughs> he's he is definitely for a starting nfl quarterback he's he's a little chubby but yeah a little there's some not so great pictures of him at alabama celebrating with his shirt off <laughs> uh wouldn't know he's a starting quarterback but oh well he's not a starting quarterback anymore but you know uh, mac you you don't deserve that all of the heat that we just threw he might he might deserve it i mean he dry he drove drunk that's true he's lost the starting spot so (laughs) yikes wow man sorry max we're just just a hater podcast i guess but that's i am and i just kind of bring you into it you're listen john is not as negative as i am and i not nearly i'm an optimist to a fault i yeah i i i'm making you a terrible person that's fine. I, I kind of need a little bit out in my life, honestly. Um, <laughs> moving on to, to Packers Jets, I'm sure nobody saw that coming. And like, man, I just have to think that the Jets truly like might have actually put it together this year and are actually becoming a team. I think Bob Sala is the right coach for them. They have loads of young talent and I think quite a few draft picks to work with in the future here. I mean, they're, they're building a team over there. Like, Yes, the Packers are struggling, and we're definitely going to get into you know how and why the the Packers are struggling right now. But like mm. you know, the Jets pulled up to Lambeau and beat the Packers. That I don't care who you are and how good the season that the Packers are having. That's that's definitely a, a pretty significant win to to take home. And um, I was thoroughly impressed with the way they played that game. They they shut down the Packers' offense. They were you know very efficient themselves offensively. It was a wild game to watch. Well, I mean, we know Zach Wilson can handle 40-year-old women, so going in against a 40-year-old man, he had no problem. He seems he seems to swing both ways, I guess. But listen, he handled he looked better than Aaron Rodgers. And we've had issues with the Packers, John. We've said it every episode. Like they it, they have all the pieces, they're not clicking, and the chemistry's off, and it showed. And I, my shout out is to, you know, Sauce Gardner um as my big balls player of the week uh for the defensive side of the ball because you know, he went in there, played a really good game against some good receivers, obviously shutting down Aaron Rodgers in the passing game. And he had a um, kind of a pissed off mentality. And I think it was contagious throughout the Jets team. And I didn't know this, but I saw him after the game. I guess when you go and play in England, like Green Bay did last week, you get to pick whether you want to buy or you get to pick who you play on your schedule that next week. Wow. So they picked the Jets and he did not mince words. He's like, they picked us. They thought they had a cakewalk. They thought wrong. And he was walking around the field with the cheese head on his head. head I mean, so like, that's like, I mean, that's like a pissed off, like, you know, hungry mentality that I think is contagious through that locker room. And it's showing, I mean, the jets are doing things that no one thought they'd do. And they really do look like a team that could compete uh, in that division a little bit. Obviously it's a hard division with the bills, but you know, and the Dolphins and the Pats. The Dolphins, are, are doing it's a good division. It's, it's a good division, good but man, division. the Jets at four and two. I mean, something's happening in New York that we're not used to seeing with them and the Giants doing so well. So, definitely. Um, 
And, and also uh, quickly, just, you know, standard mishap with, with me not following or planning procedures properly. Uh, Bailey Zappi is my offensive player of the week. I didn't realize we were doing that as we were recapping the game. I was thoroughly impressed, impressed with how he played, you know, being a rookie, second starting job. That was crazy impressive. So giving that shout out, uh, he was my offensive player of the week. And, you know, shifting focus to the Packers, too. I mean, they're just not clicking offensively. And I don't know if it's going to get better because Aaron Rodgers saying, oh, we need to simplify the offense. And Matt LaFleur is like, I don't know what Aaron Rodgers is talking about. Uh, they're struggling to play Aaron Jones, give him enough, you know, carries a game, which I think is a huge problem because that dude tends to make good things happen when he gets the ball. That's been a problem for years in Green Bay. Yeah, and the receiving core is super depleted. Like it's it's not looking great offensively for them. And I don't know, you know, there's a quick fix or a quick solution here. I think they'll figure it out, John. I I do, and um, you know, I don't know if they'll win twelve or thirteen games, but like they're going to be a playoff team and they'll win the division and they'll have a you know a real chance to win some playoff games and make a run like they always do. I, I just I can't see them not figuring it out. I just I think they will. Um, Mark, I don't disagree with you, but you can't just say shoe and they're going to win the division with the Vikings five and one. And I know that, you know, we're two games away from covering that one, but like, you know, they got, they, they actually have to claw their way back to being in that position. And you're right. I'm sure they will figure it out. Um, you know, you don't have a guy like Aaron Rodgers at the helm and, you know, don't figure it out at some point in the season, you know, Got to wait until it's turtleneck wet weather, and then he's unstoppable. So we'll see what happens in the, in the we'll latter see. half of the season. We'll see. The scary thing is that the playoffs might not run through Lambeau for them this year, and that scares me because uh, – and it should scare Packers fans because when it goes through Lambeau, a lot harder to, to go there and win. Um, so we'll see. Definitely. Um, Jags, Colts, you predicted that one right. Uh you know, the Colts were the first time I think this season actually looked like they were clicking on offense. Um, you know, defense, there's still some patchwork, but offense, like, I mean, they were moving the ball that whole game. Um, so, you know, if they can keep that up, maybe they can actually, you know, do something in their division. Um, I, you know, I don't know what, you know, how stacked the AFC is if they actually like genuinely are going to make the playoffs. Obviously, they'll have to win the division to do that. And the Titans are, you know, a formidable opponent. But it was just nice to see them actually, like, you know, make something happen. Uh, massive improvement from that Denver game uh, a week prior. Yeah, the um, the Colts are one of those teams that if they can figure things out, similar to Green Bay, I mean, they have a chance to be pretty good. I, you know, I picked the Colts because I just thought that it's hard to beat the same team twice, especially in a short amount of time. And the Colts made the adjustments that they needed to. And they came out with a win, and that's big for them in the division moving forward. Obviously, that's going to be a competitive division. All those teams are within reach of, you know, competing and winning it. So that's a big win. Anytime you play a divisional game, obviously, it's a big, big win. Uh, but good for them to, to get that one. And hopefully, it's a spark to kind of get on the right path. It's two wins in a row for them, and we'll see where they what they do with it. Absolutely. Um, so now moving on to this, this Vikings-Dolphins game. First of all, you know, but the way the Dolphins started, I'm very surprised that they're three and three. And, you know, obviously it makes sense because of their quarterback injury situation. And I just got to say, you know, Dolphins fans for the past two years have just been doing nothing but saying, you know, it, it, just not giving two of the benefit of the doubt. Right. Not giving him time to develop, acting like this dude needs to be a stud coming right out of the gate. 
you know, giving them all sorts of shit, saying they need to move on from him. Uh, the list goes on, right? There has been a lot of Tua drama over, over the past two years. This dude gets hurt, and the Dolphins look like a completely different team. And it's hilarious because now you see all those Dolphins fans kind of flip the script. They're like, oh, we need Tua back and we'll be winning again and all that stuff. And it's like, where were you guys the past two years about your quarterback? You didn't have faith in him. Uh, you know, in some ways it kind of echoes how, well, Bills fans are a lot more positive and less toxic of a fan base, I'd say. But, you know, Bills fans didn't really give Josh Allen the benefit of the doubt and didn't really want to give him time to develop and say similar things about Jalen Hurts. And I think the message I want to convey with this is just like, it takes time to become a good quarterback in the NFL. Nobody out of college is really just going to be a stud in year one, unless you have like, you're coming into a really, really good organization and program. I mean, it is arguably the hardest job in sports. The amount of reads you need to make, the amount of quick decisions you need to make, the, the leadership aspect that goes into it. And then on top of it, you have to be the best athlete on the field. It is no easy task. And I think that, you know, Tua is 100% like a very huge factor um, in that Dolphins organization. And you're seeing it with how they're playing without him right now. With that being said, also, uh, Thompson did really well until he got hurt and eventually got replaced by Teddy Bridgewater. There was one drive in that game where like <laughs> they had like four or five penalties in a row. And like they would be like a 20 yard gain called back. So then they were like, you know, second and 25. And then it was like another 25 yard gain and it was called back. And they were like third and 35 at one point due to the, the penalties. But with Thompson, they were moving the ball too, which I thought was interesting. So that's yeah. my long spiel about that game. I apologize, but I, I had thoughts. So it was a little fired up there. Well, I mean, it's good. It's good points. Like when your starting quarterback goes down, you're in that situation. It's, it's a hard thing to do, man. It's a hard thing to have the next man up as a quarterback, right? Like you can kind of fill in some spots at other positions usually, but quarterback's one of those things. It's pretty hard to replace your guy and two is their guy and it's hard to replace him. But, you know, give Minnesota some credit. You, like you said, they're five and one. Kirk is, uh, you know, one o'clock game master. He's going to, he's going to show out at one o'clock when, you know, not everybody's watching a primetime game, but in his primetime games, he hasn't been great. Um, but he's he he does very well at those one o'clock games. They continue to win, um, and these close games, man. It's like the Vikings just seem to always be in these close games, no, no matter what. And he seems to thrive in those moments. And having the passing attack they do, and having the receivers they do in those moments is why they can kind of hang around and compete with anybody. And that's makes them a dangerous team against anybody in the league. Um, and that kind of leads into the the next game with the Bengals, and that's kind of how the Bengals are too. Like, you know, you have Joe Burrow as your quarterback, you have Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Boyd, you know, all these weapons mixing in the backfield, all these guys that you can use as an offense. And if you get behind, you can come from behind and win. And Cincinnati continued to fight to come out on top. And, but we should have known and, and why I picked him and John should have known better. I mean, he's, you know, a Louisiana, you know, football fan here in the last few years, but Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase own that city, man. Like they, are LSU. Um, and, you know, Joe Burrow is my offensive player of the week for that reason. He went in there. You saw him before the game wearing Jamar's college jersey. It kind of reminded me of what John might look like taking the ACT uh, when he wears my jersey walking in there. But, you know, like that's 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 what it is, man. Those guys are brothers. And, like, when you have a connection like that and, you know, going into Louisiana and doing what they do, we should have known better. I mean, I picked him and 
I, I mean, I should have put all the money I have on the Bengals to go into that stadium and win. I mean, that's what they do. Yeah. And you know, I mean, the saints were desperate for a win though. And I thought that's why they were able to pull it out. Um, you know, at the same time, finally, we have a decent, I'm going to say decent Thursday night football matchup this week with them playing the Cardinals. And I do think they will win that one because the Cardinals have shown a lot of weakness, but you're right, Mark. I mean, Joe and Jamar, that was like a home homecoming to them. 100%. And uh, you know, draw parallels, but our dynamic, you know, uh, you and I were, were quite the academic duo. I remember uh, taking your dad's anatomy class and, you know, just crushing out on every assignment and every lab. Um, and, you know, I'm really proud to uh, represent, uh, you know, that dynamic duo, once again, taking the ACT and uh, reliving those high school memories. So, you know, uh, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, John and Mark, you know, similar dynamic going on there for sure. Um, but yeah, as a Saints fan, I mean, man, this has just been a really, really, really tough season. Um, I feel like they've had so many opportunities to win. I don't think they're playing bad football. Uh, you know, defensively, they're definitely hanging in there against good talent. And even offensively, it's like, you know, they're down all three of their receivers and they're still able to move the ball pretty well. Um, so it's frustrating, hopefully uh, with the team a little healthier and, you know, making some adjustments. Obviously, uh, you know, this is uh, Dennis Allen's first year as head coach there. Usually first year head coaches have a better second half of the season than they do the first. I'm hoping that is the case. I haven't, uh, you know, especially with the way the, the uh, NFC South is right now, I haven't completely lost faith that, uh, you know, the Saints are out of it. I think the NFC in general is still wide open um, just to, you know, for teams to kind of keep their playoff hopes alive. So we'll see what happens, but disappointing loss. Um, moving on to Ravens Giants. Look, I still don't think the Giants are that good of a team, but I just think the Ravens cannot win games. They, they'll win their first three quarters. Like it's no problem. And then for whatever reason, they just find ways to beat themselves in the fourth quarter. Um, and it's, it's crazy to me how consistent that has been that they've just looked absolutely dominant for, you know, 45 minutes. And in the last 15, everything falls apart. Um, it's Lamar dude. I mean, part of the blame is on Lamar Jackson and we, I've said this before. I mean, Joe said it, Sangro said it when he came on our podcast a few episodes ago, he does so many things well. And he, and he's this electric player that people love to watch. And when it's, when it's clicking, it's clicking, but there's certain things that he struggles to do. There's certain things, there's certain moments, certain game situations that he doesn't really do well in. And we've seen this time and time again in the league. Um, I don't know, man. It just seems like there's these games that when they start to struggle and the passing game isn't easy and he has to go to his second, third progression or he has to discuss, you know, when some, when they do something different on defense and it starts to work, he starts to struggle and panic, right? And he'll turn the ball over. He'll make – like Joe said, he'll have one really bad interception, you know, a week that can really change the game. And the Giants give him credit. They just keep finding ways to win games. Nobody saw this coming. And a first-year head coach, they don't really have any weapons that they brought in. I mean, Saquon's playing well, but we knew he was going to play well, right? We knew Saquon was going to be Saquon. I mean, they're winning these games with Daniel Jones at quarterback and a young defense. And they don't have any star weapons on the outside that help make Danny Jones's job any easier. They're just winning football games, finding ways to do it. Well-coached team that seems to be playing together and enjoying it. Um, you know, give them credit, right? I mean, that's the Ravens are a good football team no matter what. Um, and Lamar's a good player no matter what. There's obviously some issues that can happen, but that's an impressive win. And to, to be the New York Giants and to be the New York Jets, 
and to be four and two and five and one. Didn't see that one coming. Yeah. And I mean, New York fans got to be fired up because like, it's the first time there's been some winning football um, in, in recent memory there. Um, so, and another thing with this too, I, I think just maybe an interesting conversation piece are either of these quarterbacks with their teams next year. I, I, I wouldn't pay Lamar. And I know that's not a, a very popular opinion, but I would not pay Lamar. I would, uh, I would trade him or, or, you know, obviously you're going to have to pay him if you want to keep him, but someone's going to pay him, but I wouldn't pay him. And Daniel Jones for sure would not pay him. And look, I, I get that Deshaun Watson broke the, the quarterback market, but like, I don't think that, you know, that price tag is going to be the norm unless, because I mean, look at what teams are doing that have paid that price tag, right? Someone will you know, pay they, Lamar that close to that number, John. Somebody, somebody, somebody will. will. No, somebody will. Cause there's more desperate teams out there. But what I'm trying to say is like, you know, Broncos swung incredibly big on Russell Wilson and it did not work out for them. Uh, we will see if Watson works out for the Browns, but I honestly think that Watson is not going to be the same player that he was with the Texans. I think it's been two years off from football. You're going to be rusty. I think, you know, all those off the field issues are going to follow him for the rest of his life. And chemistry is such an important part of this game. And I just don't think the locker room buy-in is going to be, you know, great with that guy as your quarterback. So it's like, what, you know, what is this genuinely like the model that every team wants to have going forward? There's definitely a place for it. There's definitely guys that deserve, you know, that price tag. I, I think, you know, guys like Justin Herbert or Mahomes, Allen. Yeah. Mahomes, Allen, they all deserve that price tag, but you know, guys were like, they have not totally proved that like they are the deciding factor on, on, you know, winning or losing. It's, it's a little bit tougher to make that statement. So I guess we'll see what happens with them. And then Daniel Jones, it's like, it's tough because you're probably going to have to pay him more than you want to pay him. And I don't think he's worth it. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, sure, it's not going to be $200 million or anything crazy like that. But like, I'm curious to see what his future is now that the Giants are winning, right? Are people going to start attributing that success to Jones's play? Or are they going to try to go replace him with, you know, better talent? So, I, yeah, I, well, I mean, well, it's, it's going to be something that we have to wait and see, but, yeah, I mean, it's definitely surprising to see those teams doing well. And some of the teams, I mean, the NFL is full of surprises as, as we go into this next game. I mean, the, the Steelers taking care of Tampa Bay, and you can just see the frustrations coming out of, of Tom Brady and, and the clips of him yelling at, at his offensive line. And, I mean, it's just, you know, me and John kind of predict this before the season even started with him missing time in camp. And this is obviously before we knew what was happening in his, with his family life. But something's not right there. He's not all the way in, and it's obviously if your quarterback's not all the way in, no matter how great you are, no matter what you've done in the past, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it, it's every season is different. Every team is different, and this Tampa Bay Bucks team is not the same that we've seen before. This Tom Brady is not the same we've seen before, and it's starting to show, and we had our concerns going into the season. It, it's showing, but all these upsets, man, are – this is the NFL, man. They're any given Sunday – some of these scores, you'd be like, you look at this and be like, what? You know, like this is, what are you talking about here? Like this is, yeah. this is not what, you know, obviously you or I picked to happen this week. And this can happen any given week. And it just so happened that a lot of these games, these upsets happened in the same week. And that's just how it can go in the NFL. I mean, all these teams are really, really good with really, really good players and, and intense, smart coaches. And if you don't prepare, and it just seems like some of these favorite teams, 
maybe went in with thinking, hey, we're going to get it done because we're just going to get it done. Right. And that doesn't work. And I don't know if you know this, but uh, Brady was not present on Saturday because he was attending a wedding um, as well. And, you know, kind of the, the talk of the town has been like, who are like, we get it, Tom Brady, like you're one of, you know, the, the greatest football players of all time. Um, you've won more championships than probably anybody else will ever. But as you said, every season's different. And like for you to be missing time and then coming in and screaming at your offensive line after you were the guy that wasn't showing up to practice. I mean, Mark, you know, obviously you went, you went to, to college level. I played high school football, you know, but it doesn't matter what level it is. If you're not showing up to practice, that's not a good look, right? If I didn't show up to walk through, I probably was not going to play on Friday. If you didn't show up to walk through, you you probably would miss time on, on Friday. You know, yeah, like it's just it's John. Like, I mean, it's as simple as this. And this is I I really think the core, the root of the problem in New England for all those years. Tom Brady, no matter how many rings they had won, how many games in a row they were winning, you know, no matter how many MVPs, no matter how many records he was breaking, he was never bigger than the team. Belichick never allowed him. He coached him the same as any other player. A, a, a undrafted rookie was treated the same way as 15 years that Tom Brady was treated. Um, and that's why they stayed good for as long as they did. And that dynasty will probably never be touched as the best NFL dynasty of all time. He comes to Tampa and they were good that first year because he had a chip on his shoulder and he was still playing with the same pissed off underdog edge. That was why he was great for so long. He gets a taste of the glory on his own. He gets kind of a little more control of that franchise. I mean, he's basically making, I mean, he, he changed who the coach was. You, you don't think that he didn't have a, a role in that. You know, you don't think he didn't have a role in bringing Antonio Brown there and bringing some of these other guys in. And he had too much control. He has too much say. And he gets more um, treatment, positive treatment than the rest of the team. And I don't care who you are in any sport, if you're, the, the best player on the team and you get treated like you're better than everybody else by coaches, by owners, by your peers, it doesn't work. You know what I mean? It just doesn't work. It doesn't click. You have to be great and you have to be humble. And Tom Brady has done that his whole career. And this year and a little bit of last year, he hasn't been, you know, yeah. he's been bigger than everything else that's there. And that's not working. Um, And I remember even a year ago, Colin Coward saying this exact same thing where it's like, you know, uh, Belichick, it's a, it's boring. It's business. It's a stable ship, right? You, you kept in your lane, got a job to do, you know, and then Tampa, it's just, a, it's a different vibe down there, right? It's like, it's Florida, it's party, it's fun. It's, you know, it's all of this stuff. And it's like that it, without that structure, right? Brady is a, is somebody that thrives with a lot of structure. And yeah. I don't think that exists to nearly the same level in Tampa that it did in New England, which is why the success is a lot harder to sustain. Yes, you won that Super Bowl. Uh, that hangover is definitely showing now. So um, moving on to, to speaking of hangovers, go ahead. yeah, <laughs> speaking of hangovers, the Rams, dude. I mean, and, and you can blame the hangover a little bit of their success, but really what's happening is Matt Stafford is, is getting exposed for who he is, right? And the team still loaded with talent. Obviously, on the offensive side of the ball, missing Odell Beckham Jr., missing kind of a running game. Their offensive line is definitely a tier down than they were last year. But Matthew Stafford and what they're paying him and what they're expecting him to be and why they brought him there 
was to kind of overcome any little issues that they're having. And they don't have any big issues in LA. Let's make that clear. They don't have any big issues. They don't have issues like some of the other teams we're talking about. They're just not playing to the standard that they're capable of playing to. And Matthew Stafford in specific is playing bad football. I mean, he's making some bad throws. He threw a pick six this week. I think he still leads the league in interceptions. I mean, it's just inexcusable stuff that he's doing. And then you compound that with some blown, you know, defenses by Jalen Ramsey early on, right? Kind of guys doing their own thing. Um, obviously, like I said, struggling to get establish a running game, offensive line being weaker. You compile all that stuff together and you have a team that's struggling to beat the Panthers who just fired their coach last week. And they're probably you know? the worst team in the league. And I mean, the, the, the Panthers are dysfunctional. I mean, they just, they cut Robbie Johnson or I'm sorry. Um, Robbie, what's Anderson. His name? Robbie Anderson, uh, basically in the middle of the game for, you know, whatever, getting an argument with the coach and they sent him to the locker room, traded him the next day to Arizona. Yeah. Um, so clearly they're dysfunctional in Carolina. I mean, and that score, I mean, that was a close game for the entirety of the game. And yeah, I mean, 24 to 10 is like, oh, they won by two possessions. Well, yeah, but I mean, no, it was if, a close if you game. watched that game, it was like, you were worried. Oh, I mean, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a close game if you were rooting for the Rams. So I put a lot of blame on Matthew Stafford, right? And I put a lot of blame on them for not figuring this out sooner because it, I mean, they're starting to run out of time. And listen, for Detroit fans, Awesome. This is what we want to see happen. We want to see them start to fall apart. We want to see them not do well because we'll take the better draft pick any day. Yeah. And is it uh, this year that we also get that second rounder from, from them as well? I I believe so. So yeah, definitely um, interesting stuff. And yeah, like, I mean, uh, personally, I was happy to see Stafford go and win a Super Bowl. And it's honestly icing on the cake now that they're falling apart this year, in my opinion. And they do not look like a Super Bowl. Uh, Super Bowl caliber team by any stretch of the imagination this year. It's it's not even close. And again, this is with a wide open NFC where really no team, with the exception of the Eagles, who you know we got a lot to talk about there, um, is really showing to be dominant on, on in that entire conference. And even then, I'd still say that the Rams it'd be a long shot for them to even go on a deep playoff run. They're just not with it. Any good defense is going to pick. Stafford and that offensive line and that running game apart period it's, it's honestly, too predictable John, it's I mean, way too it, predictable it's honestly embarrassing like when you look at the, when you look at the Rams on paper and you look at their roster you have Jalen Ramsey who's probably the best player in football at his position you have Aaron Donald no doubt the best football player at that position in the league and then you have Bobby Wagner arguably the best football player in the league at that position all on the same defense you have Cooper Cup who top two, maybe top top receiver in the NFL on the offensive side of the ball. And they have Matthew Stafford, who most people would argue is a top 10, top eight quarterback in the league. And this is, I mean, they're just not doing what they're capable of doing. And you, I mean, there's a lot of people to blame. I, I blame Matthew Stafford. A lot of people will blame the coaches. Um, I mean, that's inexcusable, dude. You put those guys on the Detroit Lions. I mean, I'd be clapping my hands. I'd be so excited. I'd probably buy season tickets. Yeah, and you know, I do think it's it's a mixture of a few things, right? Because one thing that's that's very true is you cannot fix an offensive line midseason. It is very, very difficult to do. You can address problem areas with free agents and practice squad and stuff like that uh, and a lot of other positions, but offensive line is not one of those positions. That, that entire unit kind of has to stick together like glue the whole season and you got what you got going in. Um, and then on top of it, you know, you're mentioning all the defensive talent. 
who they just paid. They shelled out a lot of bags to a lot of players in this offseason. And man, if I'm coming off a Super Bowl, a really long season, really tough track to get there. And then, oh, you're paying me all this money to stick around when I'm Aaron Donald and I'm thinking about retiring, right? It's the mentality changes a little bit. And I think that uh, that's kind of revealing itself. And honestly, I mean, the Rams defense is hung in there with most of the teams that they've played. But I do think that just like, as we're kind of talking about with Tampa, it's like those little mentality adjustments really do make a difference when it comes to just how productive and how efficient a team is uh, week to week. So definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward. Uh, Seahawks, I think have shocked everybody with how well they've hung in there in a, in a rebuilding year. I mean, Geno Smith's playing. They don't even look like they're rebuilding, dude. They're competing with everybody, you know, and Geno Smith is one of those guys that no one saw coming. And he he's playing with like, again, with an edge with a chip on his shoulder. And he's trying to prove all these people wrong that never gave him a shot for most of his career. And Kyler Murray, I mean, should they have paid him? You know, I there's a lot question. of people that were hesitant about that. I had my hesitations with it. I think I my final thing was like you have to pay him because it's hard to find a guy better than that. But man, I mean, it's becoming close, close, and cl- closer than people think. Like, and the, the new Call of Duty hasn't even dropped yet, right? Like, <laughs> they're in trouble, man. Just wait till that happens, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm impressed with the Seahawks. Um, and I was wrong about them. And like, I'll admit that I was wrong. I was wrong about Pete Carroll's decision-making. I was wrong about how they're kind of building the future of that organization. And I sure as hell was wrong about Russell Wilson not being the problem there. Cause man, like they really like robbed the Broncos. And we well, talked this touched on I'll... this last week. We, they robbed them. This is what I've started to notice, John. And I, and I'm going to jump to the Denver game, and then we can go back to the two sure. probably be, you know, best yeah, games. Yeah, the, the game's the most um, we're talking about, sure. <laughs> but this is what I'm seeing, and this is kind of what I've dissected of what's happening with this Russell Wilson trade and what, what Seattle got for it. Seattle got a lot for this trade, right? And um, they're doing better than the Broncos are right now, and no one saw that coming. But what I think the issue is is – Russell Wilson in that Pete Carroll system reminds me of like what I said earlier about Tom Brady in the New England system. He fit that mold. He fit that recipe that they were trying to do. Play really good defense, you know, have badasses all around that are going to play tough physical football with a very tough home environment crowd. Uh, you're going to run the football. You're going to have play action, which makes it so much easier on the quarterback. You're going to move Russell Wilson out of the pocket and allow him to just be an athlete and make impressive throws, which he can do and still can do. Um, and then you, what happens is, is you, you leave that, right? And people think, well, Russell Wilson's going to do that anywhere. I don't think that's the case. And, you know, listen, you bring in the offensive play caller that was working with Rodgers the last few years in his MVP seasons as the Broncos head coach. Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson are very different players. They're very different quarterbacks. And they're trying to do in Denver what they did with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay the last few years. And it's not a fit. He's not good at these pre-snap RPOs and, you know, deciding pre-snap where this linebacker is going to move and and decide if he wants to throw a bubble or a quick slant or this or that. Like, that's not Russell Wilson. That's not who he ever was. That's not who he's going to be. And they're trying to do that in Denver. It's not working and they're not. I mean, Hackett doesn't have another answer because it worked so well for him at Green Bay. He's stuck on that. And meanwhile, in Seattle, they're doing 
the same game plan, the same thing, the same winning football that they've always known. And they're doing it with a lesser talented quarterback than Geno Smith. And they're having more success. So again, it comes down to game philosophy, game planning, and what they want to do as a, as a team, as a culture. And what's your going to be, what's your identity going to be. And Denver doesn't have an identity offensively. And that's no. because they're trying to, you know, these pieces don't fit. Um, and I, I just think that's an interesting thing that's happening. And it just reminds me of that Brady situation in New England all those years. Sometimes when the right things line up, there's a great amount of success and it's very hard to beat those teams. But when you start moving pieces and you just think, well, he was good here. So he's automatically going to be good here. It doesn't always work that way. And unfortunately Denver's learning that the hard way and Seattle is, you know, smiling and saying, you know, we, we lucked out of this one. I mean, we, we definitely are benefiting from this move. Right. And especially at quarterback, it's such a nuanced position, right? The, the way the coordinator molds with the quarterback, like you were just referencing, and then there's just so many nuances with their their particular skill sets. So, yeah, just to say that you can, you know, just just take this guy from this org and drop him in the other one, it's going to be the same, you know, amount of success, the same amount of production. I mean, that's a bold assumption to make. So, and that goes for any quarter. I mean, you could put Mahomes on the Lions, and I, you know, I don't know what if he would be Patrick Mahomes. Like, it, he's a great fit with Andy Reid, and they have a great chemistry. And you know, Andy Reid basically said screw Alex Smith and went and got Patrick Mahomes and it surprised a lot of people. But when like, when you see the right connection and the right fit for you and you go and get them, you know, and you're right, it, it works, but you can't just move and drop players in different situations. And just because they're good in one spot doesn't mean they're going to be good with another coach or another quarterback or another receiver. Like, right. That's, I think a common misconception in the league. And so it's hard to predict trades because of that, but no one really saw this coming in Denver. I mean, I sure didn't. And I know you didn't. So this is. I always knew they were boring, but I didn't know they were going to be bad. You know, it's <laughs> funny. It's funny to see, though, for sure. It's funny to see. And it now, is. I mean, it, it, it Wilson makes it funny. Like it's funny, it, man. I mean, he deserves all this. Like if anybody deserves this, like slander and, you know, because of how corny is. And we've, we've said this, I think, in every episode, this is a non Russell Wilson podcast. I mean, that is as clear it, as we can it make really it. It really is. I'm sorry. I'm I don't sorry, know. any Russell Wilson's fan. I, he's just the worst. He's the worst. And I don't care how talented he is. I, you know, I don't care what he's done in the past. I mean, he is playing bad football, and he is continuing to piss people off with how he's carrying himself. And Because he acts like, like a cartoon character. He acts and like you he's can't better do than that everybody. He acts like he's, you know, he's above you uh, morally. He acts like he's got everything figured out. And, you know, his teammates definitely see it and, and don't like it. His fan base doesn't like it. I don't know, man. I, it's it's funny to see, and it's enough about the bad football and the bad thing. Let's get into these last two games with the Bills and Chiefs first. Awesome, awesome game. You know, not necessarily as high scoring as people thought it was going to be. I know you saw Tony Romo predicted the score exactly, like in the first quarter. Uh, just hilarious. But I kind of agreed with him at thinking it was going to be lower scoring. I didn't guess the score. Um, but Josh Allen bested. Mahomes in this game and really the whole game Josh Allen and the Bills looked like they were having a more comfortable way of moving the ball than Mahomes did I mean it just seemed like the Chiefs were struggling a little bit more and it's so funny to see that everybody is still playing Mahomes the same way that they put that Tampa team played him in the Super Bowl I mean everyone's playing the same defense they're dropping back they're playing two high safeties keeping everything underneath and they're playing man below and they're just it's frustrating because the Chiefs want to throw and when you make them have to run the ball they get impatient and they start to force it. And you saw what happened when they try to force throws at the end of the game. I mean, he threw a pick and just 
that you don't see Mahomes do often. He threw it right to a guy that, you know, um, made a good play for the Bills. But this is this is an interesting thing, and it's a huge turner for the AFC because if these teams do what I think they're going to do and, and win the majority of the games, and if you're the Bills, probably win out, this AFC goes through Buffalo. And playing this Buffalo team in Buffalo with this fan base and what they believe they're able to do is scary. And I don't see anybody coming out of the AFC besides Buffalo that does stay through Buffalo in the playoffs. Yeah. So, and I mean, if you're KC, you got to be freaked out, right? Because that feels like, oh, shit, like we're figured out by this team midseason already. What is this going to be in the playoffs, right? They were able to luck out last season. Uh, you know that every single Buffalo fan, every single Buffalo player, every single Buffalo coach has been doing nothing but think about how they're going to beat that organization ever since that game. So, you know, obviously, I'm sure, you know, when these two eventually meet in the playoffs, it's going to be an insane game. Um, but regardless, I mean, they they do just truly look unstoppable. And it is it's super exciting to watch. I know I tease you about like how, you know, much of a fan you are of the way they play football, but it's so legit. And it's like everybody in the league, league is just like, wow, this team is something else. They're, they're truly I'm telling something you right special. now, I'm telling you right now, like this team is, is different, man. Like they, they are the best team in football. I mean, you can make an argument with the Eagles because they're undefeated, but the bills are just unbelievable to watch and everything they do. They just dominate the game. Josh Allen is playing at a level. And I say, I'll say this every episode. He's playing at a level I have not seen before from anyone. Like yeah. he just is making it look stupid easy and they're a dangerous team that if anyone in the AFC thinks that they're going to go into Buffalo and win a playoff game in those weather conditions with that crowd, with Josh Allen running the ball and them throwing the ball all over the place, like no matter what weather conditions it is, you, you got another thing coming. It's going to be nutty for sure. Um, and also shout out to Dawson Knox for, for getting a touchdown in that game, big touchdown in that game. And, uh, you know, immediately uh, kind of, Tipping his hat, dedicating that to his late brother, um, who passed away right going going right into the season. Right, I think it was right. Before yeah, I think it was won. during fall camp. Yeah. So I mean, um, listen, it, it's so special. Like football can do incredible things, and like on you know on a real note, you know that the adversity that that dude was facing, going losing his younger brother, and I can't even imagine right like what he's going through. But then it's just amazing what football and having teammates and having something bigger than you can do to kind of distract you and kind of pull you back towards you know some sort of a normal life or a happy life after something as tragic as that happens and then a moment like that i mean it's just like i mean it's almost like you wrote it in a book dude you know him catching the the game ended up being the game-winning touchdown against the chiefs in, in an absolute huge moment i mean instantly pointing up to the sky just like it's awesome you know and that's why football is loved by so many people because it connects on so many different levels i mean just because it's entertaining but there's an emotional connection to the sport you know, and, and it becomes something so much bigger than a game. And that's what people that really love football like you and I do. But even people that don't love the game can maybe see and be like, OK, and now I get why people watch this every Sunday and why this is so important to so many people. And it's stuff like that. I mean, that's the kind of thing that you just you just love to see in, in the in the sport. And it's um, it's awesome. It's awesome to see. Absolutely. And then, uh, you know, moving on to the second, just super exciting matchup was uh, Cowboys Eagles, uh, you know, Eagles only undefeated team in the league still. And not only that, but man, their defensive performance in this game was incredible. And yes, I know that, you know, defense is Dallas's strong suit, not necessarily their offense, but their offense has been plenty productive and efficient um, 
for for these games uh with with uh cooper rush at the helm and the eagles just shut it down um cj gardner johnson previous saint is my defensive player of the week he got two interceptions in this game and man i was heartbroken when the saints traded him away for basically nothing i thought it was a bad move in the first place because i know how effective of a player he was with the saints and how he was kind of just the glue that that held all of that together it's like their entire you know defensive backcourt matched with their defensive line is super scary it's it's going to you know, uh, cause a lot of disruption all over the league for the rest of the season, um, as long as that group can stay healthy. So um, I think this was, you know, a, a great matchup. I think the Cowboys are still a pretty dang good team with a dang good defense. But, uh, you know, that that was the Eagles game and and they dominated on defense. Yeah, I can't really disagree with you. The Eagles were the better team and they got up early and Dallas made a late push and kind of gave themselves a chance. Which is which was awesome to see, but the Eagles eventually, you know, put their foot down and and finished them off. But you're right. I mean, the Eagles up front on on the defensive side of the ball, mixed with their secondary, is a dangerous com, you know combination. And then offensively, their ability to run the ball and they have weapons in the passing game. And Jalen Hurts is a dual threat guy who just seems comfortable in this offense, and it just seems to be fitting, you know, what they want to do with what he's able to do physically, and it just seems to be clicking. And I'm, you know. I, I'm worried that the Eagles are peaking, you know, and I've said this a few times and, you know, I, I keep getting proved wrong, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure that this is going to be as, you know, that they're going to be able to hold on to this dominance. You know, I'm just, I'm just worried that some of these defenses are going to start to kind of figure out what they're doing offensively. And yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm less worried about the Eagles defense than I am about their offense. I think their offense has some flaws that could, that could come to here pretty soon. And, um, you know, they've kind of showed everything that they have here early on to the 6-0 and start. Um, they'll definitely be a playoff team. They'll definitely be a team that's kind of right around there. But, again, I'm going to stick with it. I don't think the Eagles win a playoff game. I just have wow. you know, a feeling. I mean, you could, you could, like, make that take so easily with, like, so little pushback against the team like the Giants. Right, but, you, but you're, I, you're digging I your think, heels in with the, with the Eagles. I All think right. it's the Eagles, dude. All I right. think the All Eagles right. are going to just struggle in the playoffs and – uh, I think the Giants won't even make the playoffs. So, interesting, interesting stuff here. Well, that is a recap for this this uh, past week, week six. We're going to move on to our predictions for next week. Um, Saints versus Cardinals. I got to go Saints here. Um, this game's on my birthday. I would like a Saints win for my birthday. So oh. hopefully, I can manifest that here on the podcast. Um, Either way, I'm sure it's going to be going to be a good time, uh, a better viewing uh, experience than our past two weeks of Thursday night football. So at the very least, I'm thankful for that. God, I'm worried that your birthday is not going to go as planned. But <laughs> I'm well, going to go with the Cardinals. I think you're forgetting somebody that might spoil your birthday. His name is DeAndre Hopkins, and he's back this week, and he's joining the Cardinals. And they just got um, Robbie Anderson as well. I just, I'm not sure, man. The Cardinals are kind of, you know, both these teams are in a must win, but I'm going to go with the Cardinals at home. They get their best player back. It's going to be really, really helpful for Kyler, and and he needs to kind of get his groove going here. And what better way to do that than add one of the top guys in the league to throw the ball to, and then another top guy in the league to throw the ball to, uh, I guess the Saints team that's been struggling against the pass. 
you know, so. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll have to see what the injury report for the Saints receiver core is too, because that, that crew is, I don't think been together since week one or two at this point. Um, I think, I don't know if, what Thomas is looking like. I don't know if Winston's going to be back or not. I believe they will get Chris Olave back. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Browns Ravens. Look, I know I've been burnt, you know, picking the Ravens more than a few times over the season, but I think a divisional game, I'm probably going to go Ravens here. Um, hopefully they just play four quarters worth of football, right? Again, this, this team is, is unstoppable for three quarters, every single game, and then they just can't win it. So let's just hope that, uh, you know, they're able to kind of fix that and figure out how to finish a freaking football game. Yeah, I'm going with the Ravens, too. I, I think that, you know, yeah, we've talked about the issues and concerns about the Ravens. In this game, I think they'll get up early and they'll do what they do best, and that's win those kind of games, right? Like, that's what they'll do against Cleveland. Cleveland's very hit or miss this year. Going into Baltimore, Baltimore coming off of a loss is going to get it done, in my opinion. Taking a look at Bucks panthers look, we know the Bucks have had their struggles, but they're about to play – a, a corpse of a football team at this point. So I'm gonna go. How does Tom here. Brady like he he finds ways? I mean, obviously, all those years he played the worst division of football, like with Miami and the Jets just stinking and the Bills stinking for a long time. But he somehow moves divisions and that becomes the worst division around him. I mean, the Saints are struggling, the Panthers are the worst team in football, and right. Miami looked good in the beginning, but I mean, not so much anymore with quarterback struggles. So you know, um, that's just tough. Like, it's a tough thing for for Tampa um, to try to, you know, have a way to come out of this on top um, at the end of the year. But I'll say this, the Panthers are one of those times that you don't have to worry, uh, that you just go into the game and just say, okay, well, we're going to show up and Tom Brady, I don't care if he goes to three weddings this week. You play the Panthers and what they're struggling, like, I don't know if they even have to practice, I'll be honest. Like, the Panthers are, you know yeah. – they, get, they can take a Struggle. team trip to, to Cedar Point or something like that, you know. Yeah. Just hang out up there, a little team building experience. I, he can hang out with his offensive line, buy him some ice cream, that kind of yeah. situation. Although, I mean, I will say, like, the Falcons, we thought they'd be bad in that division, and we'll give them some They're, play, they're playing like, better, for sure. They've but, been better than we think. Um, but, you know, whatever. Tom Brady just somehow finds ways to play in bad divisions, and it's, you know, they'll probably be a playoff team no matter how bad they play. That's the thing that bugs me. Mark, I'm I'm personally very thankful that, you know, despite our disagreements, we are both Tom Brady skeptics. And I get a lot of hate um, from a lot of people for being a Tom Brady skeptic, especially if you're over the age of 40. I, I feel like you're not allowed to, to talk poorly on, on Tom Brady. Listen, um, I, I love Tom Brady and I respect everything he's done in his career. But right now, like, I mean, I'm not going to just like continue to blow smoke for no reason. Like he's right. not doing well. Like, yeah. I'm not going to just say, you know, if someone else, I don't care who it is, if Josh Allen started performing badly, I'm not going to continue to just say he's so good. I only, I give respect where it's due and I give hate where it's due. And it just and so happens that usually hate is what is more earned in this league, you know? Yeah. And Sorry. look, it's, it's a new era for quarterbacks. And we just have to admit that. I mean, I, I have maintained for a long time that I think Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Tom Brady, despite the fact that he doesn't have, you know, as many Super Bowl rings to show it. But even then, you know, Rodgers era is kind of over too, right? We got, we got new guys at the helm. Simple as that. Um, moving on Falcons Bengals. Uh, I think 
I think the Bengals win this one at home. Falcons have been playing good football, so I don't think it's necessarily like, you know, just an, an easy win that they can kind of go on autopilot for. But I think the Bengals are kind of back in that rhythm. They're looking a lot better than they were at the beginning of the season. The offensive line isn't allowing Joe Burrow to get sacked like a trillion times, you know, instead it's only like a million times. But uh, Joe Burrow can make that work. So I'm going to go Bengals yeah, here. I'm going to go with the Bengals too. They, they've started to figure out offensively what they want to do. They finally got Jamar back involved in the game plan and that's not a good sign for Atlanta. So I'm going to go with the Bengals to just kind of figure it out and put it together for another win. Yeah. Um, don't, uh, even think, don't even think about it. What you're about I just, to do right now. I just hope that it's a competitive game. I'll just it's, not gonna it it's not going to be. It's not going to be. I'll just leave it at that. It's I, not going to be. I am so disappointed with how the season has gone for them. Um, it's, and again, like, the roster is more talented this year, so there's less excuses there. Um, you know, it's it's Campbell's second year. I'm just I'm kind of shocked that they are one and four at this point in the season. So are you now, picking Dallas? I'm picking yeah. Dallas. Yes, oh, it's just thank to God me, to me. Thank it's God just, I don't have to. I just I just, just want to like, man, this is the type of game that the Lions will then go out and win, and we'll both look stupid. But ah. No, it's not. Listen, Dallas, think about John. Just use your, your – you have a huge brain. All right, your head's the size of a watermelon. You got a huge brain. Use it and think matchups here, okay? Matchup? No, the matchups is why you'd be inclined no, to think no, the Lions no. have a listen. chance here. Li no, you listen. <laughs> you have the, – the, Dallas's strong suit is their defense, and the Lions have, been, have a great offensive line and can make things work there. However, I still think Dallas is going to win this game. I'm not going to kid Dallas myself. is going to make our offensive line look like the worst in the league. That's what's going to happen. We, they, we have not seen a pass rush like this in Dallas in an away game yet this year. We couldn't even block New England, okay, and they have one guy in Matthew Judon. Dallas is bringing all kinds of guys. We're not going to be able to throw the ball. We're going to be under pressure. And not to mention Dallas on offense is getting Dak back. He's going to be playing with a, with a chip on his shoulder because of how well Cooper – I mean, it, it, these guys are competitors. He's not going to just show up and think it's my spot. He's going to go and earn it again, and he's going to use Detroit as like a, a, a towel to wipe up all the blood and tears and stuff that he's been dealing with the last few weeks, and he's going to throw it in the trash. And that's what the Lions are going to be is a towel, a blood wow. and tear towel. That's what all they're right. going to be. All it's right, going to be Mark. bad. Okay, it's going to be bad. All right. Moving on to, to Giants-Jags. I'm going to go Jags here. I think I think it's finally time that the Giants get a little bit of a wake up call. Uh, the Jags are kind of sneaky good; they can compete, they can they can play ball. I'm going to go Jags. I'm also going to go Jags, and I'm with you. I think that New York is they, they can't they can't go six and one, right? I mean, that's but, what I'm thinking. That's what you're thinking. I'm worried that they will. <laughs> I was about to say they could go six but and one. I don't but... want them to go six and one. I don't think they're good. You don't think they're good. I'm going to go with the Jags. And uh, I'm hoping the Jags show up like they play against the Colts in Jacksonville. That's what I'm hoping. Right. In Duval. Um, Colts, Titans. I'm going to go Titans here. This is going to be a fun game, though, because I think the Colts are playing a little bit better. Also, did it? Haven't the Colts and the Titans already played each other? What's yeah, up with this, this division? Yeah, so weird. What is up so with weird. this division? Like, why why is know. everybody in the AFC South just like, they all right, let's all other. play each other as quickly as possible? Very weird. I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the Colts, John, cool. and for a few reasons. One, the Colts already 
played against Tennessee and, and it was a close game and Tennessee came out on top. Again, hard to beat the same team twice. Same logic yep. I used last week for the Colts and the Jags. Um, but also the Titans are coming off a bye week and there's two things that can happen when coming off a bye week. You're either very prepared and you come out and dominate or you come out and you're a little bit, you know, kind of sluggish. like hung over and a little rusty and sluggish. Yeah. And I think they'll come out a little bit sluggish in this one. Uh, so for those two reasons, I'm picking the Colts. Yeah, this, this was a tough one for me. It was kind of 50-50, and you make some very sound arguments, but I'm going to stay with stay with Titans just for the, the sake of us being, you know, um, disagreeing on something. Um, Packers, Commanders, hey, time, time for Rodgers to at least pad that record a little bit while they still try to figure out what the hell they need to do to actually win some games. If they lose this game, they're dead. It's straight the up. Packers lose this game. Absolutely. They are dead because this I, I don't care that it's at FedEx. That doesn't count as a home game. It doesn't Anybody even that's count. been also, to that stadium, it's a dump. Have you seen the news? They're trying to get Snyder out. Like the other owners are kind of starting to plot against him and find out like they don't want him as an owner. <laughs> Snyder sent out a letter today being like, hey, that ESPN article like wasn't real. Like we're all buds. Like I like you guys. Like we're, we're all friends, players, right? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So please don't kick me out. Like, he, it's like an exclusive club that's very hard to get kicked out of once you're in because you have so much money. Like, I mean, not many owners have been like voted you have to out be a by complete the turd you of have a human to be being. Terrible, dude. Because again, yeah. like they they are very exclusive in who they let in, but once you're in, you're in. Um, and very rarely in history have we seen owners get treated like this. But he deserves it. And Green Bay. I'm picking the Packers. I know you're picking the Packers. If they don't win this game, they are dead. They're in serious yeah. trouble. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, Jets at Broncos. Man, I got to go Jets here after after that performance last week. And look, I, I hold so much contempt for, for the way Broncos play football and what they have put me through in prime time um, so many times this season. And I think we still have three or four prime time games left with the Broncos this season. So if if nothing else but spite, and on top of the fact Jets are playing good football, I'm going Jets. I'm um, I'm gonna pick Denver, and it, I mean I hate it. I mean I feel like kind of nauseous even saying this right now, but I, I I'm gonna pick Denver because they are in a needed situation more than New New York is, and that's obviously surprising to see these two teams at this point in the season and saying that the Broncos are in a more must win situation, but. Yeah, I'm gonna pick Denver. I I don't I don't think the Jets are great. I mean, they're a good team. I think Denver is gonna be able to figure them out on defense and give Zach Wilson some problems. And I just think that they'll do enough on defense to win the game. But I'm not gonna give any credit to dangerous Mister Unlimited Willie uh, Wilson. Unlimited. Uh, dude, dude, such a cool tagline. I want to put that on the shirt for sure. That's his alter ego. Is I'm unlimited. Yeah, unlimited losses, loser. <laughs> but not this week. I'm picking Denver. Uh, unlimited Jesus tweets that do not equate to winning football games as much as he thinks they do. This week it will. He'll have the right tweet this week. I guarantee it. <laughs> Jesus will answer his prayer just this time around. Just, um, just, just this week. So Texans Raiders. This is tough, man. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, Troy. But I, I gotta give it to the Raiders here. I just think they're that is the most frustrated team in all of the NFL right now. And I would be kind of scared to play them after a bye week uh going into this, right? Both teams are coming off of buys, but like 
you saw how they they reacted to that that loss there. I I think that they are ready to murder whoever doesn't matter who is on the other side of the ball there. They they are an angry angry team right now, and I wouldn't want to mess with them. I agree completely. The Raiders are the most dangerous team in football this week, and it's simply because of that frustration and because of the fact that they're a very good football team with a bad record, and they're in a situation where they know they need to um, come out with a couple wins here in a row and, and get this thing back on the right track. And the Texans – and the interesting thing is both these teams coming off buys, which is kind of an interesting dynamic to see. So, I mean, expect them both to be pretty well prepared. I think it's gonna, just going to be the team that handled the bye week better, right? Who's going to come out sluggish and who's going to come out prepared? Right. One of these teams is going to be ready to go and one of these teams is going to come out sluggish. I, I think the Raiders will be the more prepared team just because they had the, they have the most reason to be pissed off. Um, I sure as I wouldn't be enjoying my bye week if I was in Vegas right now. No, absolutely not. And I mean, it's crazy. I feel like this has been the story of the Raiders my entire life of just like slumping in the early season, all sorts of adversity, like suffering losses in some of the craziest ways you've ever seen. And then like this is around the time where they turn it around and they start winning games and you're like, who even is this team? Right. And usually that ends with them kind of choking away a playoff berth or something like that. Well, I guess we'll, that you know that's yet to be determined, but it definitely I think they'll make the playoffs. There. By the way, I think they will too. I definitely think they will. I, th- I think that team's too talented for them not to. Um, moving on to Seahawks Chargers, I think I'm assuming your pick here is going to be Chargers, but I think it'll be a good game. Um, obviously, Seahawks have shown more time more times than not now that they can hang with just about any team. Um, and look, Chargers need to start putting it together. I know they're four and two, but there's been a lot of chinks in the armor, and they need to, you know, kind of make sure that they're they're uh, tightening up some of those problems that they're having and, and getting a little bit more of a rhythm with stuff. So, Herbert, yeah, feeling I'm, a little healthier. We'll see. I'm gonna pick the Chargers, but I'm worried, man. I I, I had the Chargers one of my Super Bowl teams. I had them and the Bills as my two favorites overall, and obviously in the AFC. They don't look that way, and I know they have a few guys banged up, and Keenan Allen and, and Boza need to get back, and they're a very different team with those two guys back in the lineup, but it's no excuse. I mean, you still are loaded all over the place, and what I'm really disappointed to see is they've really invested in their defense and the secondary and the, and their uh, defensive line, and they're they're just not playing great defensively. I mean, even the Broncos scored a touchdown on them. I mean, that can't happen, right? Yeah, like, totally. so – I just thank, worried thank about God defense. that that game wasn't an absolute snooze fest, though. Like, well, it, I mean, Herbert you... Herbert struggled, and I get Denver yeah. has a good defense, but I'm I'm waiting to see Justin Herbert play like he did against Kansas City. I mean, that was exciting stuff. I know right. he's capable of it. He's done it his whole you know young career here. He's done it in almost every game we've seen him play. So I think this is a bounce back week for them, even though they won. I think this is a bounce back week for them. Did and, you see uh, Monday's game was the first time Herbert has not thrown a touchdown in any of his starts. And it just so happened that DraftKings boosted him as an anytime touchdown pass score. Right. Well, they didn't get it. Vegas, like, you got to be very careful. Anytime this is for all gamblers out there. Anytime they do a boosted thing, do not do it because they're just trapping you into it because they, they already know it's but how did they know? How did I they don't know, know John? I time don't travel. They, they know. And we they don't. Do. And anytime there's a boost, <laughs> don't fall for that trap. Do what I do. Follow my gambling train because I'm on a pretty good streak right now in um, betting on just money line college games. You know, doing pretty well. I won't throw out any numbers, but I'm doing pretty well this season. 
Well, I'm happy to hear it. You heard it here from from Mark. Just bet money line college games. It's actually that's not a. You bad know where to strategy. find me if you want. If you want to ride with Hank on these bets, that's my gambling persona is Hank. Um, <laughs> that's better than unlimited. As, yeah, as you don't go by you does. don't go by Mark when you're gambling. Yeah. That's my alter ego is <laughs> Hank. But if you want if you want some advice, you know where to find me. For sure, um, Chiefs and Niners. This is going to be an interesting game. I think uh, I think after last week, I think Chiefs will win this one. But man, this is tough. I'm having a like, especially since it's it's at uh, San Fran. This is a tough pick for me. San Fran always plays good defense. They always play very sound defense. Ugh, I'm gonna go Chiefs still though. Yeah, it's a tough it's a tough matchup, but I'm I'm gonna go with um, San Francisco. And it's a, it's a toss up, right? Because both these teams are coming off of losses, and they want to get back on the right track. And you know, losing two games in the NFL in a row is tough. Um, but what I think is going to happen is I think San Francisco is going to match up well with Mahomes and on defense. And I I think they'll get back to running the football as like the way that they want to. And San Francisco is going to be able to do that, you know. And I think that Mahomes is going to struggle, and then you know the 49ers are going to maintain possession of the ball and have long drives and sustain possession long enough to keep them off the field and keep their defense fresh. And so I'm going to pick a 49ers to kind of win in a low scoring field goal type of game. Sure. And then Steelers dolphins, I think two is coming back this week. So this is an easy pick for the dolphins for me. Um, I I think we saw a huge difference in, in their play with him uh absent the past few weeks and uh i think he's gonna tear it up and and his his game back with them yeah i'm also gonna pick uh miami um that's obviously only if two is playing uh this is this is a you have to get back on the right track for miami like you're you started so well and everybody was giving you the praise and then you lose both your starting your first two quarterbacks at concussions and you're starting an undrafted rookie and just like Kind of a disaster for Miami, um, but they they have to get this one. And the Steelers are, you know, coming off of a huge win against Tampa, probably feeling pretty good about themselves. But going to Miami and trying to win two in a row is a whole different, you know, it's a whole different thing. Absolutely. And then uh, Bears-Patriots, I'm going Pats. Uh, It's a boring, boring, boring primetime game but um i'm also going to go new england listen what new england did to detroit we're going to see something very similar to what they're going to do to chicago they're going to kind of figure out justin fields uh they're going to toy with him make sure that they put him in tough situations and then they're just going to play complimentary football and bailey zappi is going to show why he's the man yeah i i definitely agree with you and again i think uh the, the bears are really up against it for the rest of the season um all right i mean you know, we are definitely mid-season. I know this this uh, particular podcast was probably a little bit more technical. We actually got more into the weeds because we haven't had, you know, a guest uh, eating up time here. Um, so, you know, really interesting stuff uh, with the upsets last week. And honestly, I feel like a lot of these matchups were not super easy for me to decide this week. So, you know, we'll see if it was as predictable if we do end up, you know, getting 10 or 12 right like we have or if this is going to be another week where we kind of split on a bunch. Um, any last thoughts before we wrap up here, Mark? No, man, you're right. I mean, we're in midseason. Um, we're going to get some more guests on here in the coming weeks, and we're going to continue to to do what we've been doing. 
And again, John and I appreciate all our listeners and people that are, you know, reaching out, commenting, sharing, doing anything like that. We appreciate it. We're having a lot of fun with it. We hope other people are too. And, um, you know, that's that. We're just going to keep doing this. And it's going to, this podcast is going to get more and more exciting as the season goes. And I'm excited to see it. Absolutely. Um, I also noticed that I forgot to put our ticker on for this uh, this cast. So uh, there's our socials down there. If you want to go check them out. <laughs> if you made it the, the entire hour and 15 minutes, your reward is to uh, go follow us on social media or else, actually. You just listen to our voices for an hour and 15 minutes and, and you're not going to follow us on socials. You're not going to subscribe. You haven't subscribed yet and you just listen to this entire podcast. You should probably do that. So that's what I'll leave you with. There's the ticker. Super fancy. I'll do, reverse psych- I'll do reverse psychology. Don't go and follow us just to spite John. Just like look at this ticker, look us up, look at our page, and then don't follow us. Yeah, I mean, that's that's my fault for not putting the ticker up at the beginning. So I would completely understand that as well. It happens to the best of us, John. Absolutely. Until next week, everybody. See ya.